Okay, what up, guys? Uh, welcome back to another episode of Anime House. We recently changed our name. Uh, a small plug, but we finally started going on YouTube. You'll find our first two episodes on YouTube ever of the show, uh, Demon Slayer Madoka Magica. You can find them on YouTube under the name Anime House. Um, under that will be linked all the different uh, accounts that we have on different streaming platforms, such as Apple Music, Google Google Music, as well as Spotify. And last but not least, we also have Twitter. So if you guys want to keep in touch with us, contact us, maybe tweet at us. If you have any comments, concerns, anything you guys want us to cover, or if you want to interact with, directly with us as well, feel free to follow us on Twitter. Uh, it should be NMA underscore house, I believe. Um, but it'll be linked under every YouTube video, so it should be pretty easy to find. But yeah, I'm really excited to get that started. And without further ado, I think we should hop into it. So this episode is a little special. We wanted to do something more, not as common. We, we usually cover anime and um, that kind of medium. But this time we're focusing more on the manga. And this time we wanted to focus on Attack on Titan. The last chapter came out fairly recently, around two days ago. It, it was a it was really a surprise drop. Everyone expected it to come on the 9th today, or at the time of this recording, that would be today. Um, however, it didn't come out at that time. It came out two days beforehand. It got leaked. And everyone went crazy, obviously. I had to, like, literally stop everything I was doing to read it. And uh, it was a big moment. It was a big moment for not only the Attack on Titan fandom, but for anime people as a whole, or every, anyone who's into, into anime. So that was a big deal, and that's something that uh, is really, really exciting moving forward. Now, so we wanted to discuss uh, our thoughts, not only on the last chapter, but on the series as a whole. By a large margin, at least like me and Francisco consider, considered uh, Attack on Time to be probably one of the best animes of the decade, if not the anime of the decade, uh, between 2010 and 2020. Um, we also have proof of that where we discussed it earlier during one of our older episodes. So feel free to check us out or check that out on, on one of, one of our many streaming platforms. But yeah, we're really excited to cover this. Uh, and Francisco recently finally caught up with Attack on Titan, the manga. Um, and just as a word of warning, before we get into it, there are major spoilers for the manga. Do not continue this if you have not read the manga. If you are an anime only watcher, I would highly recommend either reading the manga and then coming back to this episode or waiting for the anime to finish and then coming back to this episode. We will be discussing primarily what happens in the manga and as such there will be major spoilers. So as a word of warning, if you have not read the manga, if you are not caught up, if you have not read all of it, do not proceed with this episode. However, if you are willing to get it spoiled, if you don't care about spoilers or you've read it and you want to know our thoughts and opinions, please continue watching. We'd love to have you here. So, without further ado, I think I'll pass it off to Francisco. I think he'll get started with this. <laughs> I was one of them. <laughs> I was I was one of the monthly readers, um, but I have my own opinions on the ending. I I haven't read anything about the controversies. I try not to. It's only controversy because people are just going out of their way and saying like this ending completely ruins the entire legacy of Attack on Titan. It's like I can't believe the author would 
would write something so awful. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I read it in one go. I thought it was great. I was, I mean, I had another friend who was saying like he doesn't understand how the author can can finish this series in just two chapters. It, it feels like he wrote himself into a hole. And I thought it was gonna be like really bad. But I mean, when I mean bad, I mean like I I read some really bad endings in my, in my time. Um, and in comparison to that, I thought Attack on Titan ended just pretty okay, not bad. I I saw. I mean, it was just laid out what was gonna happen in the end. We kind of like figured like what Aaron was doing. As asked the readers, like, there's no way he, like, point short, he committed genocide against, like, 80% of the entire population um, in efforts to just make an entire, like, new narrative or new, like, platform for people from Paradise Islands, you know, where our main cast are from. And then he effectively made it so that Mikasa and Armin and, like, those people that, you know, we saw since season one are effectively the heroes. So he made it a real-life Helios. If you remember Helios, Helios was the hero that, like, every Marlene was taught, like, as propaganda, who ended up helping um, the Tiber family, like, dethrone the king, and then Fritz ended up making the Paradise Island. But the reality of the whole thing is that um, a king, a descendant of um, the founding Titan, and, like, the original King Fritz decided that, or he just, they had, like, a moral compass, and I guess they realized, you know what, this Titan thing they were doing? Yeah, this is awful. We should, we should just die off. This is not worth it. And, you know, then that's how we have the situation. But this Helios character was created for like Marty propaganda. And like right now, Armin and like the rest of the gang are effectively like that Helios, but just like 2.0. Or like, if anything, like they're the true progenitors of that. So they're like heroes now for the entire like population. So they stop Eren committing genocide, like mass genocide to everyone. And at the same time, they're going to serve as like, like ambassadors of peace because Eren knows that. Everyone, Aaron, like one hundred percent, wanted to get stopped from what he was doing. Like he, he was not a fan. He was not a fan of what he was doing. So overall, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it. And I guess something I remember talking to Nikhil about, like before the um, before me reading the entire series, and when I dropped it off, I had like some theories concerning the um, like where the author might go with this stuff. I remember I was talking to Aaron about it, right? The fact that like the first chapter is called "To You, Two Thousand Years in the Future" or something like that. Makes it sound like it's a letter, right? And then there's gonna be someone on the other side, other side of the letter being like from you, two thousand years in the past. And then that, and the fact that Aaron in the first, in the first chapter, in the first um, episode, woke up, and then he was crying. And then Mika's, I asked him, Aaron, what are you doing? It's like I don't know. I feel like I just woke up from a very sad dream. And then that's like how the story, how we get introduced to Aaron, like him waking up from this terrible dream. And eventually, we learn from like going throughout the series that like Titans can inherit memories. So I had this whole idea that the author at one point, Isuyama, thought heard it heard this like heard the cycle of vengeance pretty much. How like if you like wrong someone they're gonna wrong you back and then after that your descendants are gonna like fight against, you know, their descendants or whatever and there's gonna be a, a continuous cycle of vengeance of of hatred. I thought that the author took that literally and made an entire series reflecting the perils of like how that happens. And I was thinking that like there was gonna be some magic thing that like caused Aaron to be in this cycle of um and his own internal help pretty much. The other thing that actually helped like with this crazy theory of mine, or like not even mine, I actually think it was a lot of people who who thought about this. I think my sister might have been one of those few. Uh but something else that helped solidify like or like help with this I this theory was the fact that when Aaron looked into his dad's memories, Aaron, the guy who had the attack titan before his dad um, looked at looked at Mr. Jaeger and he said, "You have to do this for me, cousin Armin." 
And then Jaeger responded with, who are those people? And the only, so that was like a message for, for Aaron. And at that time, I thought it was because like Aaron, that was technically Aaron, like actual Aaron. He was just traveling through time or something, but I don't know. I, I like that notion. I like, I like the idea that the author was going through this like theme, the overall theme being a war. It's like very prominent in something like the Iliad, for example. That's like the first, the first couple of characters. It's like just war or rage or vengeance. I forget. Wrath is what it is. And Aaron one hundred percent embodies wrath in this series, especially when he was younger, fourteen years old. Um, and it's just, it's a great series to see. Just like something else is very terrifying about Aaron is that he's like a child that was given immense amount of power. He's very similar to Gojo from, um, in a way, he's similar to Gojo from. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen and the fact that Gojo has like this immense amount of power and he can do literally anything he wants to like have others submit to him but he knows that that's not going to change anything and Eren is in a similar boat he knew that even if he had all this power it wouldn't remove the um the hatred that the people from just you know the rest of the entire planet has for these for the subjects of the Ymir only for the fact that they were born and um there's a lot of interesting things about that I mean like if we go back to One Piece one of mine in the Kills Fairy series like one of the themes within One Piece is that children do not bear the sins of their parents. And like, this is an, it goes back into just Attack on Titan and the fact that people are born, but they never actually like did anything to others and they're still hated for just existing. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of social commentary within the series. Humans are going to be humans. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. I guess, I mean, I've, I've gone on many tangents on Akil, but if you want to like add your, as your opinion on anything that I've said, like go ahead, just build off from that. I don't know. I think you've summarized it for the most part pretty well. Um, I actually wanted to touch on that social, that social aspect kind of part that I think is pretty unique to Attack on Titan as a whole. Um, I really like, I really like that ending um, of what happened to the people, um, and I wanted to like segue a little off of this. Um, so my thoughts on the ending really quickly. I thought it was, I described this to Francisco once he finished it, I thought it was high mid-tier. So like, I think there's high endings, low, enti- low endings, and mid-endings, right? I think this was a high mid-ending. The reason I say that is because I know it was a definite mid-ending, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad by any means. Like, I expected, like, I literally expected a Game of Thrones-esque, like, terrible ending, but I never got that. Instead, I got an ending that was really fulfilling to some degree. And something that was ambiguous, I think. Um, at the ending, one one specific panel really struck out to me. And this is where I want to branch out of the social commentary part um, a little bit. Um, in the last chapter, there was a part where you see the two people, and then they're like, we don't know if you're Titans or not. And then they take out their guns, and they're attempting to shoot them. And then Armin gun jumps in the middle. He's like, no, if we were already Titans, we would have already become Titans now. Like, there, there's, we're all, no, there's no Titans. Titans don't exist anymore. And so now they're all people. And then the next panel, you see, like, them forming regimes and stuff, right? They're becoming, like, current society. It's almost like a, a callback to current society. Like, no matter what, and pardon my language here, but humans are screwed. Like, we're always going to be stuck in this endless cycle of, like, almost violence, right? And no, regardless if we have Titans or not, like, it doesn't change the fact that humans are always going to be humans, which is why I brought that up earlier when Francisco mentioned this, because I think it's innate human nature to want to be better than other people, and that, like, selfishness and that selfishness desire of, like, wanting more um, all the time is very 
It's a very human characteristic. I think it's just it's just a given that we kind of exist to not only please ourselves but to work for this greater cause that we so think is like this greater cause, right? And now the removal of Titans makes it so that the the biggest threat in the world are the people. And now when the biggest threat in the world are the people, it just becomes a whole nother issue. And I feel like that that's why I love that ambiguous ending because it was very relevant, right? It's relevant to today's society, but it's also relevant to like in general, like the biggest issue in the world are, are people. Like there's really nothing else worse than people in general. So I really like that ending, actually. I, that's why I think it's high mid, because um, I love that ambiguity, but that callback to the idea that people are kind of in control of their own fates, but also, like, they're not. Um, and that ambiguity kind of provides that. I think we've, we've got that in the first chapter, right? And then it just continued um, as the series progressed, and I think it was very evident in the last chapter that that's what the overall one of the overarching themes of attack on titan is about like yeah yeah that's what i wanted to mention i i really love there's a lot of plot twists throughout the entire series like it starts off you thinking like there's nothing outside of humanity and then like as you go through it you have meet characters and then you meet how they interact and then it was. It had a whole mystery aspect. It went through the. Um, the other thing that a lot of people like to mention is how Isayama took a character from a shonen, right, from a regular shonen who, like we imagine, could get these amount of powers, and then they go off and change the entire landscape of their, you know, their setting, right. But in this case, we have we have, and people love to make this one. Um, we have Eren, who's like a traditional sh shonen protagonist who, like you would imagine, just gets stronger as he screams. But that's what he thinks, and then he gets his as just beat out of him into like submission in reality from like our boy uh what was what's his name again the strong humanity strongest how do i forget levi ackerman there we go from levi ackerman that was a great scene but it's like it, it's like you put a shonen protagonist into a sending a sending manga setting and then you see what happens so that was that was an aspect that i very much appreciated from season one and that's kind of how i saw it a lot of people like especially there's a lot of controversy when the first season dropped concerning like it's just overinflated hype and i thought it was i thought it was great at the time for that that one exact commentary that i just made concerning the um the characters themselves and like and, and what and where they find themselves in the other thing that i also wanted to mention is like in a part of aaron's character is this whole notion of freedom and like what it means to be free because like for him i guess it's like a lot to be free and, and i remember one comment that he made to armin that really resonated with him was like when he admitted it's like armin when i learned that there was human outside of the walls i was disappointed <laughs> and i i don't know that speaks volumes to like who Aaron is as a person because what does that mean for his reality when he learns that they're not the last surviving humans and like these titans are just not monsters inherently but rather just mindless animals just brought to life from his like his people and other like other humans that's actually something i wanted to touch upon a little bit um i think uh the idea of especially when it comes to titans and like this is something i wanted to quickly discuss here titans are a really interesting concept i think just in general because one they tie into your point francisco but two i think that titans in general are like 
an excuse, right? Like, I don't know how to put it, but, ah, uh, well, the best way I would categorize Titans are, like, you're right, mindless animals. But to a greater degree, they're a problem that society doesn't want to deal with. And in a lot of cases, like, we saw this after the time skip, right? When they would um, line up the people along the, uh, along the, along the mountain, and then instead of, like, shooting them or killing them, the worst possible punishment, and this was far worse than death. A lot of the, I, I, it was it was such an impactful chapter because you saw them like, they would take people, they'd put them. What was it the El, Eldians who did this? The uh, well, Eldians are the um, the country from the subject of Ymir. I mean, we have we're probably not going to touch on the history of Attack on Titan, but like think of Eldians as like the country, yeah. And, like, the subjects of the Ymir are the ethnicity of most of the population of that country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I remember what they would, like, there was a really big chapter about this where they would, like, take it, take them to the mountain, and instead of killing them, they'd all beg for death. They were like, please just kill me. I don't want to do this. But instead of killing them, they would inject them with, like, Titan, the Titan serum, and they'd push them off the mountain, and they'd just become Titans, and they'd just be mindless monsters thrown into the world. And, like, that's almost an... Like, that's the, I feel like it's such, that's such a clear way of Isayama just showing, like, humanity, if given the opportunity, does not care and does not want to deal with its problems. Now, in the last chapter, society is forced to deal with their problems. And now shit's about to get real. Sorry, pardon my language. But, like, stuff's about to get real now here, right? Because, like, now they can't just turn people into titans. That's not an excuse that they can do anymore, right? That's not, like, they don't have that option. Now they have to actually, like face their problems head on, otherwise they can't deal with them or otherwise there's going to be consequences. And, like, by turning these individuals into titans, to them there was no direct consequence to their actions, but in reality there were, like, catastrophic consequences that they didn't know about. So it's also that, it's also it also plays into that idea of, like, um, that subconscious, like, if I can do this for a short-term gain, then it doesn't matter what happens in the long run. But no one's thinking about what's happening in the long run, and Aaron was able to take full advantage of that, as we see in the last few chapters of Attack on Titan, where he goes berserk, and he wipes out 80% of the population. And I'm not going to lie, like, he was kind of justified in doing that, just because, like, I mean, he's not justified in committing genocide. That's just a given. But, like, it was going to happen one way or the other based on their immediate short-term actions of what they were doing constantly with people. So... Wanted to point that out as well. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty, it's crazy that you say he was like justified. I mean, you're gonna hear a lot of like people probably like trying to do that, but I mean, I technically don't say it like that. I mean, he himself doesn't even say it like that. By he, I mean Aaron. Aaron hated what what he was almost forcing himself to do. Right, but like that's the thing, right? Like I'm not saying it was like, I'm not saying it should have been done. Like genocide is never good, dude. But I am saying though that. He at the end of the day, he forced himself to do it, and he still believed in what he thought was right, right? And I think he saw the problem. He saw the problem with humanity and society in general, that they were never going to change unless he forced change. And in the last few chapters, we saw that. And he literally in the chapter, on chapter 138, right before Mikasa, like the chapter where Mikasa kills him, effectively, right? He cut, cuts his head off. He tells Mikasa, they, there's, a, there's a flashback, and he's talking to Mikasa, and he tells him, the only way you're going to end this is if you kill me. And I want you to kill me. I don't want anyone else to kill me. Um, but he says, like, the only way this is ending is if you kill me. And then once you do, it'll be okay. And, um, until, and then she does it. 
Uh, but when she does, until she does, it's this whole thing of him kind of like realizing. I think, I think Aaron more so, huh, in a weird way, became enlightened, or to a greater degree, he was like, he kind of surpassed humanity to the point where it was like, I see all the problems and flaws within humanity, and what they have, and his idea was obviously not correct. Um, but in his mind, it was justified, right? Even though he was, forced to, he was forcing himself to do it, which is a means of justification, but whether it was correct or not is a totally independent argument. And I think that Aaron was 100% incorrect, but I do think that Aaron thought of himself as justified doing his actions because he had to for the greater good of the people. Otherwise, he would have dropped it, right? He would have not done it. He wouldn't have forced himself to do it. But the fact that he was forcing himself to do it, even though he hated it, and he knew what he was getting himself into, I, like, he had to have some sort of justification for himself to do it, right? And I think he saw a greater good in what he was doing, which was the whole point. But the, the irony and the saddest part of it all, I think, is that even though humanity doesn't have the Titans to look at as an quote-unquote excuse or a way to deal with their problems now, in the short term at least, now they have to force themselves or they have to have a realization of themselves and like what they're going to do to progress and move on in the future. And I don't like, and the ambiguous ending leads us as readers to believe that is it really ever going to happen? And I think we have our current society to kind of draw upon our you know, our conclusions and our rationale of what we think will happen. But based on how society has been for the last few thousands of years, how much are things going to change is the real question. And like, it's a really, it's both a really sad, but really uplifting ending, right? With the whole, with Mikasa, like she had to give up her, the, the scarf that Aaron gave her the beginning and all that. And like, she got it back and that was a really sweet moment. And I'm really glad it ended like that. But right before then, I don't know. It really shook me when, like, I saw, like, the all, like the humans basically fighting again. It's like, damn. Like, it's just going back to ground zero. Like, at this point, like, n how much has really changed? And I think Isayama is providing a really clear lens into society today by doing that. So I think the, I think the ending for what it was is really high mid-tier because it showed it showed really distinct parallels to what we have now it wasn't super hype but it didn't need to be it needed a it needed to talk about these social issues and these problems that i think were addressed throughout the entirety of attack on titan but never explicitly shown i feel like until the last few chapters so i mean yeah there's a i mean Aaron definitely saw that. I don't. I don't. I'm not too sure if Aaron like saw everything as it is. He definitely saw that everything as it is currently when it comes to this subject of Ymir, That's a, that's problematic. But I do want to mention something briefly because I always found the Titans themselves really interesting. And what I really liked about them was the fact that even when they effectively lose all of their freedom, when you know people get turned into Titans, like they kind of become mindless. There's just one driving factor that gets that. Why do Titans eat people? Right. Like, on but this is way back, me thinking way back, right? And when I learned about the Titan Shifters, it's like, and this is like five years ago, I found it terrifying because they keep eating people 
in the off chance that they might eat a Titan shifter to return to, you know, to gain their humanity again. And that's like terrifying because I, I can't, I mean, that's how I saw it, right? I think now that we know about, you know, Ymir and how she can pretty much control Titans, she can probably tell them, hey, just walk around and don't do anything. At like, as far as I'm aware, there's nothing stopping Ymir from telling the Titans to do this, unless there's like an out, unless, for example, because the original, the founding Titan, Ymir, right, we learned that she ended up getting like symbiotically bonded to like this ancient, or not an ancient, but like this other organism that brought about like this physics changing kind of situation that we know of the Titans. And we're not too sure of like what that thing wants besides the fact that it just wants to continue to reproduce as like as base instincts. And like those base instincts might be greater than like Ymir telling the Titans not to be people. But I still find it creepy that Titans keep eating people and I couldn't we like for the life of us and like Aaron and everyone else couldn't figure out like why do they keep doing this? I mean, I remember like a couple years back that there was Hanji, for example, would have loved to ask a Titan and ask it like, "Why do you eat people? You don't, you don't die if you don't eat people. Like, you don't need to eat people to survive. Why are you doing this?" And I, when I saw that Titan shifters existed and like the form that Titans regain the humanity when they eat one, I, I don't know, something about that was just creepy. And the fact that people would do, like people, quote unquote, people. If anything, the Titans might represent like the subconscious of someone. Like, and then this is Ishiyama saying that subconsciously people always want to reach for a level of freedom or do you, do you know what i'm trying to say like what, what are you gonna say about like that situation with the titans and like what else they might represent because we know that currently izuyama is using the titans as a way that for everyone to just hate on one like one specific group of people for like probably reasonable you know i mean what they did with the titan powers way back in the day was pretty atrocious like the history behind the titans is really interesting in general but i particularly want to focus on like titans eating people and what that might mean titans eating people um so when i first read it i like or when i initially started i always thought it was like an uh symbolism of like trying trying for the titans trying to regain their humanity so i think you're definitely onto something there because, like, when they eat people, like, to them, it's like they're eating, like, they're trying to regain a little bit of themselves back, right? Um, I remember in one chapter, we saw, like, a titan cry. Um, so that'd be killed, but we saw a titan cry. So they definitely have, like, human emotions to some extent because they were human. But, like, yeah, that's just my interpretation of it. Because they suffered a fate worse than death. And... That was, oh my god, static. That was really evident, I think, especially after the time skip. Like, post-time skip, we saw that way more. That, like, man, like, Titans really got shafted. <laughs> and, like, I don't think anyone would want to be a Titan in general. So to suffer a fate worse than death is just atrocious. And I'd rather just die in that case. So... I think it's just tr them trying to regain a bit of their humanity back or trying to um, get themselves back at the very least. I also want to add that, um, and this is a this is a Reddit comment I actually found. Um, so I want to shout out uh, you, you slash Velnika 
for this one. Um, but this person says, I think they represent the greed and selfishness of autocracy. There are outside terrorism necessary. There are the outside ne terrorism necessary to keep the populace under control. Not all of them had a hand in creating Titans, but regardless, they took advantage of this threat to keep themselves above everyone else. I think it's a pretty good representation right here. Um, and oh my God, to a greater oh my God, that's it. I think Titans metaphorically represent fear. I think the fear in humans, in terms of like what they don't know. The fear of the outside, the fear of not knowing what's to come, the fear of the future and the fear of the past. I think that's what Titans represent. I think fundamentally the Titans represent fear. I and mean, I think this is shown throughout the entire series. The like the way that the that Isayama chooses to portray them are in a very, very, very like dark, very almost disturbing like ways, right? But I think that's intentional because they're supposed to represent this fear of like what's to come and not knowing what's going to be. So I'm going to stick by that. Okay. So one of my favorite characters from the series besides Gabby is Ymir because I find Ymir fascinating and all the, like, I don't know. I, something about like a slave and then, getting treated like the way that they did and then listening to their captor is really traumatizing and like I can kind of and it happens so often <laughs> and just seeing it in this yama and like the seeing the people or the person that she just could not go against even though Ymir probably knew that she, she couldn't go up against you know King Fritz because way back in the day like kings and it was just a weird power power dynamic that they had going on and I mean, like one of the huge things that we learned in the most recent chapter, which like does have some controversy because at the end of the day, it's like that was it. That was enough to get the Titans to end, right? I was thinking from like the chapter right before this that what was gonna happen is that they were gonna like team up and then kill that weird, that that weird thing that was just crawling on the on the on the thing on the on the floor that was connected to um, the founding Titan. But um, no. According to Aaron, what needed to happen was that Ymir just needed to just let go and. She ended up letting go because Mikasa killed the person that she loved. And we learned from that chapter that as weird as it sounds, and like Ymir made, I mean, our Heron made sure that he even thought it was really, really strange. It, it was true that Ymir loved King Fritz. And that weird, demented kind of love is what kept Ymir from continuing this whole Titan line. And once she saw Mikasa do what she never could, that was enough to convince her that all right i'm done there's i can't she i mean she sees one of her descendants in a way kind of herself attack the object of her love but what do you what do you, what do you think man uh, i really like your mirror's character even though like they don't say much only for the purpose that they like have so much power but they decide just just to listen to a person and it goes contrary to what Aaron wanted, which was, well, Aaron says he wants freedom, but I feel like Aaron, out of everyone, is the person with the least amount of freedom. As the show progresses, he learns that he's almost like driven by this reason of, I can only do one thing to help those I love, even if it causes me like my future. So it's interesting in that regard.
Hmm. Wait, can you elaborate on that? I I guess I kind of want to hear your opinions on like Ymir the Founding Titan and like their their role within the series. I want to mention I want to mention her slave mentality actually. That's something I really want to go into. I think as a character and you mentioned she like never says anything, right? She just like does what she's commanded to. Like even if she is the most powerful being in the universe, her slave mentality never went away. You see what I'm saying? Like that's so that's so harrowing. And that's so sad. And like she is the she's arguably one of the most free pe- like free individuals in all of in the entire Attack on Titan lore. She's the most powerful by far. And yet she's not even free. She's always been she's she's been a slave and she will always continue to be a slave. Whether it be something or other. Um And I think that's like I think that's really sad, honestly. Um, and until Aaron told her that like she is she can be free, like she was always a slave. Like I don't I don't know how else to put it. That's literally her character. Yeah. Her and Aaron are similar in that regard in that they're slaves. Aaron is a slave to like the future pretty much and like this form of causality while she's just a literal well slave. i think they're both i think yeah. they're both slaves to like mentality too at the end of the day right um aaron is a slave to his idea of will and freedom and she's a slave to like everything else like i well she was also literally a slave but like i think both metaphorically as well because even when she became like the most powerful like person ever she was still a slave to her mentality. Yeah. I think um, Askeladd from Midland Saga is like, everyone's a slave to something. You yeah. just gotta realize what it is. Don't see that. There was a... So, going back to the last chapter, um, there's a couple people who are saying that they feel that Ishiyama changed things. And, and this goes back to the comment that Ishiyama made years ago. Have you ever seen The Mist? Like that movie? Mist? No, I have not. So pretty much what happens in the movie, it's it's that it's like an apocalyptic situation and you you follow these groups of characters, so a family, right? And as they're trying to survive and like, you know, find, get out and, you know, just continue humanity effectively. Um, as the movie progresses, you eventually get to a point where like the people and in particular the, the dad, the dad begins to um, lose faith. So... And what that ends up doing is that he kind of just kills his family so to have them avoid the situation that, you know, there's nothing in the future. It's not even worth fighting for. And, like, soon after that, like, right at the end credits, and, and as the fog is clearing out, you see military personnel just come in. And it's like, all right, is everyone okay? We're here to help. And it just ends like that. By the way, this is a miss spoilers. So, um, so it ends with the old man, so, like, the dad giving up. Right, right, like, right in the moment where had he just not given up, everyone would have been okay and safe, or at least it would. It, it was a lot, a lot brighter than what he initially thought it was gonna be. Rather than like this ambiguity of just monsters around him, and Ishigama made a comment that he kind of wanted it to end like the mist, right? And in a way, it, it was gonna 
when I was younger, I was thinking that Aaron was just gonna kill everyone in the walls because, like, or some kind of situation like that. That was gonna, and then he was gonna learn that humanity really did exist outside the walls, and they were like trying to fight back. But, um, but this is a lot different from like anything of the mist. And like some people even go as far as saying that the, that the manga, because something that that that's been known for a long time was that Ishiyama said himself that the last panel of the manga has been drawn since day one. Like I know how I want it to end. So people were like on Reddit were just wondering like what was the last panel, right? Is it actually the one with Mikasa? And that hawk eagle thing wrapping the um, scarf around her or was it something else and some people say that the last panel was meant to be um the flashback where aaron mr jaeger aaron's dad was like holding aaron he said aaron you are free um even you know as he's free when he dies i think that that was what the last panel was gonna be but i'm not too sure so i guess what I'm trying to say, or what I'm trying to ask, is that what do you think of the last panel for Attack on Titan? With the whole ego thing, I guess. I think there's a few ways to interpret it. I think that one way you can interpret it is that the bird represents like the freedom of, or the release almost, and freedom that Aaron experienced when he died. And you could argue that the bird was maybe a reincarnation of Aaron himself. You could argue that the bird rep- is just an analogy for, or the eagle was just an analogy of like Aaron's will, uh, and him giving the scarf back to Mikasa was like him almost like uh, confessing his love for her. I think there's a lot of interpretations of that scene, but it's definitely I think along the lines of like Aaron's will and Aaron Aaron's will that is continued on and his sense of like release after death or freedom after death that he's done everything he can and now he's done um but yeah i mean like oh wait do you have anything else you want to talk about no nah, dude no nah, i i mean maybe but like maybe in a couple years when, when i sit down and actually think about it but like for now i loved ishiyama's lore i loved everything that he was doing the secrets, the the mysteries behind the the entire fucking his his universe that he made. I thought it was great. The commentary that it goes into the fact that like is another way of like talking about like minorities. I mean, it's difficult to just not see the subjects of Yamir and just compare them to people. Mikasa. I think she's one of the best characters in the show. Bro, I well, think she's I one of the worst her. characters in the show. She broke free of the Ackerman curse or <laughs> the Ackerman curse at the end by cutting off Aaron's head. I mean, that's that was. That was like Aaron talking out of I mean, his ass, dude. That wasn't a she thing. Broke out of the curse, nothing mattered. I mean, it wasn't a curse. Uh... He was full of shit. They were, they were just those people, the Ackermans, right? They were just people because of their immense strength that actually, um, what's it called, protected the king. Wait. Also, I want to highlight that she was uh, like going off the race thing. I want to highlight that she's Asian too, and she was like one of the only Asian people in the entire like thing. So yeah, that was actually really cool, like way back in the heyday, like before we really understood that, you know, in the beginning, we weren't too sure if this was like a post-apocalypse situation for like our current universe, right? Before we learn of, you know, it's like slightly, it's an alternate universe. So way back in the beginning, we saw Mikasa and we thought, okay, she's Asian, so she's, this is definitely our universe kind of situation. 
and so you know there was a lot of theories concerning like her ethnicity and stuff and like why she was getting persecuted and I, it was just interesting that you know Ishiyama just decided to just make Mikasa and back way back in the day she was like super cool because she could you know kick ass and just kill titans but I think as the series went on she was definitely someone with like high potential her character devolved into just being she's really good at killing characters and she really cares about Eren and one of them is a byproduct of the other which kind of sucks but um, I don't. Oh, so like going back to the Ackerman thing, I don't. I, everyone was talking out of his ass. The whole Ackerman just inherently wanted to protect like their king or whatever. That was that was what a rubbish. He just did that to piss her off and make her more antagonistic against him. Okay, I like Mikasa. <laughs> I like her character. Um, regardless, I mean. I feel like there's obviously more we can get into, and I'm very excited to see how the anime is going to close, and then maybe movie. But overall, I stand by the fact that I think Attack on Titan was the greatest, like the best, like the anime of the decade, without a doubt. It might have not, it might have not been my favorite, but I think objectively it was the best anime of 2010 to 2020. Um, I think it'll go down in history as like a a goaded anime of all time or manga. Um. I think it was pretty incredible, and the ride has been crazy. Um, reading it month to month was an adventure. It got really frustrating at times, but we we pushed through it. Um, crazy that it ended. It was a big moment for me personally. But, yeah, I mean, I, I have nothing else to say. I mean, give it a shot if you haven't already. Like, That's the best I can say, honestly. But, yeah, I mean... With that, I think that'll do it for this episode for the most part. Obviously, with a lot of our other episodes, there's so much more we can get into here, but um, I think we wanted to touch more upon the manga and like certain aspects and themes and overall characters um, without getting too specific. But Attack on Titan is one of those sh- those manga shows that if you want to dissect each character, you, you really could, and you can spend a long time doing it, but... Unfortunately, within about an hour span, give or take, we, it's impossible for us to go into each and every character. So we, we did do the best we could. But hopefully in the future, we'll do another Attack on Titan episode once the anime is done. And by then, I think we'll have a lot more to say um, based on what we've said previously. So exciting. Looking forward to something to look forward to. Um, and then, yeah, that's I think that's it for Attack on Titan. Unless you have anything else, Francisco? Nah, pretty much. This is, I mean, this is pretty much just our, like, reaction. Yeah, yeah. I think this is, like, this is very an ending-focused kind of thing. Um, in the future, we'll have probably a more um, flushed-out thing of the entirety of Attack on Titan. Maybe entirely. I don't know. There's some things about that that I'm really interested in. I particularly like the ecology revolving the Titans, for example. I was really interested in the fact that I think it was, like, season one that someone, like, made a comment about, like, when Eren transformed that the agriculture around them came to life. And I that led so many people to like theorize that maybe the Titans were like uh, an experiment gone wrong by humanity in a way to like fix um, the yield issue when it comes to, you know, agriculture and stuff like that by like messing up with a bit of, I don't know, messing up with something because like they, they, they exist in a, almost like defining the laws of physics kind of way. I think... Hanji made a good point about that. Like when Titans die, you can 
I think you can easily lift up their limbs. Like they, they weigh nothing or something like that. But yet they pack a punch when they're actually moving. So it's just nothing makes sense about their anatomy. Uh, I don't know how far deep we can go into this because as we learn later on, Ishiyama didn't focus too much on like the biology concerning the Titans. It went more into like a social commentary about them. But there's like, especially in the beginning, there was like, tons of things. I think that might be another reason why especially with the monthly readers, that the expectations were just massively high, which led to a point of, like, uh, contention. I think I think this is the point where I mentioned, or I ask you, have you have you seen Kogias? Kogi, Ah, uh, that was on my watch list over winter break, and I didn't watch it. Um, I had it up. I didn't watch it. I didn't want to. Uh, not that I didn't want to. I wasn't... It was on my watch list. I'll probably be watched over the summer. Like, 99% sure it'll be watched over the summer. That, Angel Beats, and a few other stuff have to be watched. I ended up watching, like, Clannad and... You didn't finish Clannad, though, right? I could not. I think I would have broken down crying if I did. And I didn't really want to go through that. I finished the first season. It was fantastic. And then the second season would have just killed me. So I wasn't mentally prepared for it. I mean, you're you're, you're a big guy. A big By big, I mean, like you can probably see where the author is going with. I mean, I, I know exactly what's going to happen. I just, I could, I knew I couldn't watch it. It would have killed me, but that's a whole nother discussion for another time. Um, I guess, yeah, that that's it for our episode on Sack on Titan, honestly. Um, unless you have anything else uh, you want to add. I think we should like close it off here. Or should we mention what we're watching? We can mention what we're watching. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, Quick debrief on what's happening. Uh, spring 2021. We got the new spring 2021 season. Um, recently finished uh, Wonder Egg Priority. Top five great, top five anime, no question. I I I loved it. Um, I would I would wholeheartedly recommend it, but it's very hard to talk about. So I'd recommend watching the first two episodes and then judging for yourself if you want to continue. It's very hard hitting. Um, don't watch it when you're in a bad mood. It'll put you in a worse mood. Watch it. Watch it in a state where you're indifferent or you're in an okay mood that you can handle it. It's a lot. It's a, it's a, it emotionally packs a punch, but it's really, really good. Um, so watch that recently. Uh, recently finished Infinity Train, which we'll be doing an episode on coming up soon, so get excited for that. And then after that, I watched, um, I'm watching a few of the 2021 spring stuff. Uh, Tokyo Avengers is something I'm looking forward to. I'm watching the Godzilla SP. Finished season two of Beastars. Absolutely fantastic. Gave up on Promise Neverland. Absolute trash. Um, and then I'm also watching Shaman King. I'm not super invested in that. It's, a, it's more of a for fun watch. Um, then there's a, there's an anime I'm watching right now that's actually severely underrated, and people are just not talking about like talking about like it for um, this season for spring. For spring 2021, I mean, yeah. I haven't even started um, watching spring season anime, dude. I'm not, I'm chilling. Oh, you can probably honestly binge this. It's a, it's an easy one to watch. Um, at least I really enjoyed it. It like the first episode was really good, and like the emotional level. If you like music as well, like I think you'll like it a lot. Um, so like quick, quick, uh, quick backstory on this. I uh, I grew up playing music for a lot of my life, so music is a big part of um, big part of my life personally. So I I'm a huge sucker for. A lot of musical-related anime. Um, uh, Kono O something is a really good one that came out two years ago, maybe. 
Um, and then there's obviously the Sound Euphonium, which is a classic. I feel like everyone knows Sound Euphonium. Fantastic anime. I can't wait for like season three, whenever it comes out. Um, but this anime, sorry, I keep forgetting the name. Um, Mashiro no Oto. That's the anime. I think it's a. It's gonna be. It's one of those sleeper picks. I think. Um, it's definitely fun. It's not like it's serious, but it's also like it's really. It dives really into music. So if you like music, you'll like it a lot. Um, also, uh, Shaku Shaku Natsu Kabaddi is pretty good. Um, loosely based off of like a ancient Indian sport. And I didn't know it was, like, a thing outside of India. So that was really cool that I found out that, like, Japan knows about it and they have an anime about it. And I was like, no way. So I ended up watching the first episode actually pretty recently. I told Francisco about it, too. And uh, it was good. It was fun. Um, literally, it's a show that doesn't take itself seriously. But it's just a fun sports anime to watch. Uh, short, sweet. It, it's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, Joel Ryan is something I've been kind of interested in and looking at. Uh, haven't got around to watching it yet. Fruits Baskets, obviously the finale. You already know I'm watching it. I'm a sucker for it. Uh, Fumetsu no Anata, I cannot wait for it. It should be coming so out in the next your, few days. Yeah. To you, the immortal, or something. Yeah, like that. the to you, the immortal. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Tokyo Avengers is another one I'm very excited about as well. But those are the anime that I think I'm watching this season and like that I'm looking forward to as well. And uh, as far as anime I've watched last season, I mean, obviously, One Direct Priority. I think it's the best anime of 2021 so far. I have yet to see something that kind of, like, matches in how good it is. Um, obviously, Beastars Season 2, fantastic as well. Really, really good. Um, last season was kind of weird. Hori Maya, that was good. Good. It was cute, more than anything. It wasn't, it wasn't amazing, but it was cute. Um, but, yeah, a lot of stuff to look forward to. And then I finally got Demon Slayer tickets for... Opening premiere premiere day in the United States, so I am beyond excited for that. Finally, gonna be watching it and uh, really excited because we we all know we're getting season two over this break. But then, last but not least, for all the JoJo stands in chat, part six got announced. Stone Ocean. I know we're all excited. I know I am. So it's gonna be a good one. Do they even have like spring or like spring? They don't. They don't have a specific release season, but they announced that it's being made and they showed a trailer for it. So, my guesstimation is that it's going to come out either fall or winter of this year at the earliest, at the latest, probably twenty twenty two. So it should come out in the next year and a half. So like, pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. I'm looking forward to it a lot. But yeah, other than that, I mean, that's that's what I've been up to in terms of the anime manga scene, um, and others uh oh i also watch rewatched like nine studio ghibli movies so yeah. all really good. I, I should probably get on that <sighs> i guess i mean we did okay so like i also saw wonder priority i mean the last last episode it's not gonna air until june right so like still we still got yeah. some talk, time to talk but we're not probably not gonna make an episode about it probably not probably not i it's a show that the reason that i it's very hard for me to describe is because it deals with some really, really, really heavy concepts that are both relatable, but also like very hard to talk about and discuss. Um, and I would wholeheartedly recommend it still. It's just a very hard watch. And as such, like it's very hard to talk about. Based on how the last episode goes, though, we'll see. But 
I want to, I, I don't have any plans to discuss it. However, if you guys want us to talk about it and there is like a lot of, if you guys comment on Twitter or something that you want us to talk about it, like we'll make it happen. But as of now, I don't have any plans to. That makes sense. I love it. It's one of my top five favorite anime. When it comes to five favorite anime, we usually just go on things that we like. <laughs> it's not like. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, like, there's no objective top five. I think all top five are, are subjective. There are shows so. that I think this is a masterpiece, and but I I don't usually those I don't even put them in my top five. It's like why even why even mention it? Like, I mean, One Piece is like not. It's like a separate category like of itself. Like, there 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 are certain there are certain like anime and manga that I think I just put separately. They they don't. I don't I don't know how to categorize them personally. It's, it's like I know for me it goes back to the fact that like when I say favorite, I just think things that like impacted me. Or things that I like really, really like. Yeah. Hell, yeah. I even have. If you would give me a top ten, I would put Bleach in there, in, like in the, in the tenth category, even though I think it's like it's not, it's not very good, but I like it a lot. Um, but um, I guess I can talk about some of the stuff I watched last season. I Kimono Jihen, that's like super mm-hmm. cute. I love it a lot. People who know about it, I read the manga, so I I'm caught up to what's going on. They have some of the cutest relationship, the couple rather from like last season, and we're familiar. Khan and um, Kabari, Kabari, I think that's what the guy's name is. So that's really great. The other one is that I ended up watching besides Kimono Jihen was um, also oh, What I'm a Spider. I am, I'm caught up with the manga for that one, so I, I think it's pretty great. Super, super cute. You, you watch it only for the like internal dialogue of the main character. She's great. She reminds me of a friend of mine, if anything. So I really, I really enjoy it. Uh, I guess I could talk about what I've read. I know that I'm really. I mean, things that I'm currently reading, but like, for example, I know that, and, and we mentioned this in our episode long, long ago about the fact that Record of Ragnarok, once it gets an anime, it's going to be big, it's going to be huge. And we learned within the last month or something that Record of Ragnarok is getting an anime, a Netflix adaptation. So that might be exciting. The only thing about Record of Ragnarok was that um, it's from Netflix. And I don't know, something that was crazy about Netflix a while back is that House, House Husband anime? was like animated in its great manga but it, i hear that it might have been animated by one person which would explain why it looks like it's a powerpoint presentation that's something else that's just it's on my mind but besides that things that i also read recently read that i really really enjoyed it's um so so no free Aaron, which is uh which is a story about like an elf so like there was you know the, the whole story about like a party going to defeat the demon king right and how the party is made of different species, like a dwarf, humans, and an elf. And this story, it follows the elf after they defeat the Demon King. Like, how life is for someone with such a long lifespan. Because, like, the amount of time that it took for them to kill the Demon King was, like, 10 years, maybe, like, 11 years or something. But for her, it's, like, 1% of her life. And it just goes and talks about, like, how that 1% of her life changed everything about her. And even though it was, like, 1% of her life, and the other people, like the other humans and whatnot, it, it was like a, a ton. It was like a big section of their life. Uh, it's crazy to see her reaction to just time passing and how she spends it with other people. And overall, it's a fantastic series. And I think lots of people that read the manga, and I mean, it's won plenty of awards already as it is. When I ended up like hearing about it, I was, I was amazed at how popular it was. But once it gets an anime adaptation, it's going to be really exciting. It's very similar to, like, to your Eternity or, like, to you, the Immortal, in terms of quality. So it's 
I'm excited to just you know find out what what more happens about it. But besides that, I think um, there's nothing else that I'm reading that I like want to discuss to say. I just but. Oh, I'm about to start reading um, after next Monday. I'm gonna start reading Black Clover. I've been very. It's like literally on my computer. I was about to read it and then. I have a midterm coming up, so I was like, wait, I'll wait till I finish the midterm, and then I'll, like, read 100 chapters. That's my Black plan. Black Clover so. is super easy to read, and it's... Don't, just don't take it seriously, and that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It has a, an arc that I think is really, really good, and it was recently animated. It's like the devil arc or something like that. Because you, do you, wait, you know about Black Clover, at least the premise? Oh, yeah. yeah. You know how he has... He's, like, the anti-magic dude, and then... He like saves the entire. Board I mean, or ten of flowers. So yeah, he's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> got a lot yeah. of influences there. But yeah, he's like his book is like from the devils or something. It's like the fifth clover, which represents like bad, like super super bad luck and even the demons and stuff. I mean, they like it's mentioned briefly by the narrator or someone, and then like people forget about it because like in the in the universe, like magic is like their social status, and since he has nothing, they're like he, he's worth nothing. Like well, I don't care if he has five clover books. That's 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 trash. <laughs> yeah, it's I like the lore behind it. I, one of one of the characters that people really like is like. Ah, I, I, I will tell it to you if you want. Like discuss the manga afterwards. I think that'd be a good episode. I right, will. I think that's everything for this episode. We might have taken a bit longer recapping what we watched, but it's whatever. <laughs> I think we went a little over time. It's okay. <laughs> whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think with that we'll. We'll say bye for now. Um, I think our next episode will most likely be Infinity Train, so keep your eyes out for that. And uh, after that, we'll probably do something. Uh, we're thinking about Princess Mononoke. Okay, yeah. We'll see. But, yeah, that's that's All in the right. works. All right. Take care, everyone. See you, all Bye.